0: Welcome, everybody, to our first episode of Arcade Cast, our monthly podcast where we're going to talk about all things arcade and location-based entertainment, including bringing industry experts onto the show covering topics that can make a positive impact on your business. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to our channel, and you can also listen to this as a podcast, whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. So the topics today, uh, first of all, I would like to welcome our guest, Maggie McCartney, who is the Corporate Director of Marketing and Branding for Scene 75. Um, she'll be talking about winning the Brass Ring Award for the top FEC of the world. Welcome, Maggie.
1: Hi, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks
0: for Absolutely. Um, along with Maggie, I would like to introduce our co-hosts, uh, Colby Colquitt and Allison Timberlake, who are members of the LEI Games Marketing Team. Say hi, guys.
2: Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody.
0: Outside of talking with Maggie today, we're going to be talking about uh, an industry poll that we ran over the last few weeks. Hopefully you got a chance to see it. A lot of people weighed in. We're going to be talking about the impact that Omicron has had on uh, operations for businesses around the world. We're going to be covering some upcoming trade shows and um, some information around that. Some of the events have moved, and um, Amusement Expo is the next big show in the lineup, which we've got some information about. We are then going to be covering some top tips for operating Angry Birds Coin Crash, one of our most recent successful games that is performing well for operators, and we're going to tell you how to get even more out of that game. So without further ado, um, let's kick off our discussion with Maggie. Maggie, maybe you can start by telling us the answer to the big question. Um, how did you how did you do it? How did you win the top FEC of the World Award? <laughs> <So> what <laughs> that makes Scene 75 special? And especially, what what, uh, what do you think the Columbus location was selected for the award?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, again, thank you guys so much for having us on here. Um, and congratulations to starting your podcast. It's so exciting. Um, to be honest with you, We've been asking ourselves the same question. I know it's 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 one of those things that when you win something that's that incredible and that prestigious, I mean, it's so humbling. And we look at ourselves, you know, the other two FECs that were up for nomination were Andretti's in Orlando and Wild Island Coconut Bowl. And they are both phenomenal FECs. So, you know, for us, we feel incredibly humbled, you know, at, We're at the same time as just everybody else. We're just figuring things out as we go along the way. Um, And so, you know, we picked up some things along the way that we've learned. We're certainly learning new things every year, um, but we are just so humbled to even get this award. And it's actually the second time that we have won it. In 2016, um, our Cincinnati location won it as well. Yeah, so you know, we're happy that people love the product and we're so excited uh, to win the award. But yeah, for Columbus specifically, I mean, that uh, just on the surface of, of why I think that it got the, the recognition that it did um, was it, when you walk into that building, any person, I guarantee you walk into it and you will be blown away. It is an absolutely beautiful venue, both just in the visual experience as well as the entertainment offering experience. Um, We built it in an anchor of a mall, which was our our first location. I mean, with this one, we really changed the model across the board. Shifting from traditionally um, an indoor FEC is what a lot of our other facilities are, to this one, we really wanted to take it and say, how can we make this a little bit more of an indoor amusement park? Um, So we started looking at bigger games, bigger thrills. You know, What are those things that similar to go-karts really make people uh, you know it's it creates lasting lifetime experiences and a lot of those first so let's get on our first roller coaster let's get on our first drop tower so um stuff like that and the facility is 220,000 square feet um it's two stories uh, yeah, which was uh, an incredible, uh, exciting uh, adventure, but also a challenge at the same time. I mean, it was uh, just a whole new experience figuring out how we were going to do this. Um, and we, uh, there's a, a place in the facility where our two-story drop tower cuts right in between the second floor. So, I mean, when you're walking in there, there it's just <laughs> the, the kinetic energy from everything moving around you and, and all these things. And you can see down into the second floor. I mean, it's so wild. Um, and so do you incredible. see people
0: as you're walking through the venue? Do you see people just like dropping out of nowhere if you're on the first floor? Is that that's what I visualize? Yes.
1: <laughs> if you're on the second floor, um, first off, there's go karts right next to you, so the the cut in the floor lines up directly with the go kart track. So people will be zooming by, and they can look over oh, and wow. be face to face, eye level with someone that's being raised up on the drop tower and getting ready to drop down. And around, um, so the one side is the go-karts and then the rest of it, the other three panels are just the game floor. So you can just walk over and people will collect there all day and just sit there and watch as again, these kids come up and then they're eye level with you as they're screaming and then they drop down. I mean, it's such a <laughs> Charge cool. for admission
0: just to watch. That's amazing. Just to watch it. Yeah, and same
1: thing with, like, right across from that is the the indoor roller coaster, um, which is our first one that we put in. I mean, it's absolutely wonderful. But we weren't expecting um, originally that when you would be in the, the building, you would feel the floor rumble, like, which is on the second floor, and you feel the whole building rumbles, and then you hear screams from, you know, people. Ah! And it just creates an atmosphere that is so different than like the traditional FEC atmosphere and it's something that you know really sticks with you we have um you know and again because it was an anchor of uh, what eventually turned into a Macy's um at, it just has all these really pretty um architectural details that are not typically in our other locations or other locations are built um from old warehouses or old grocery stores um so kind of just big boxes that were like all right let's fill this up Uh, And Columbus, uh, it has this beautiful center area where these two glass elevators go up to the second floor and then there's these two crisscross escalators and it creates this whole center area um, that we thought this would be cool if we added a 15 foot screen and slapped it up against the back of the uh, elevators a bar right there so I mean on game days like on big football days Mm -hmm. uh, you know people crowd around and, and again you can look down at the people coming up and you see these kids on this escalator as they're going up and they're just looking around like what is this place it's it's absolutely wild so I I think that of course like you know visually experientially um adding in those big attractions having the laser tag or the uh roller coaster the drop tower those big things as well as the collection of all of our phenomenal attractions that have um performed so well at our other locations like go-karts laser tag um you know all those things bounce uh that's really like at the surface level what makes it so special but i mean i think a, a bigger key portion of it and when they go to select these um, winners for iapa Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to like what we believe in and live for as a brand. Um, And we really strongly believe that it's, it's not just, you know, what we do is, is entertain people. Right. But we also believe wholeheartedly that we are here to serve um, and that that value that mission statement you know all these things that that are alive in our core values and and what we live by and how we train our team is really what sets us apart that we feel from other facilities or at least drives us in in what why we're doing what we're doing Um, and we do a lot of that stuff from our community programs that we do throughout the year Um, We have multiple free events like our our indoor free trick or treat event where the the kids can kind of come in and just trick or treat for free. We do two days every year of a a special needs programming day where anyone with special needs can come in for free and enjoy the facility. Um, We do the same thing. We just started a partnership with Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, where once a month you can come in with your big or you can come in with your little if you're a big and um, they can come in and enjoy the place for free. Um, and it's just this idea that, you know, we're not just setting up shop in, in a city that we go in. We're really looking to become a part of that community and and improve to it and add to it um, and do what we can to, you know, improve the lives of the the families and the kids that are there. We do a lot of programming with the local schools in the area. Um, We're really passionate about education. We do different programs through local colleges. Um, Like in Wright State, we host a summer camp where the business school brings in teams and they spend five days at Scene 75 trying to figure out, uh, you know, what is a, given the business prompt that we give them, uh, what would they suggest that we do for the next year? And it's a great activity for them to kind of get into that business mindset and pitching things to other businesses. And, you know, I mean, just things like that is uh, what what we feel like really drives us and what separates us from maybe our competitors um in a market that we just feel like we genuinely care. Um but yeah again we're just that's so so me happy there even there, be in. Want me, want me to like, I want to move there now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where, where can we see place?
0: I can't wait <laughs> to go visit the location. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yes that's, that's right. Columbus. Yep. Awesome. So you can just hop, skip around to all of them. And I didn't mean to also, too, I mean, it's it's so easy to talk about how phenomenal Columbus is, but genuinely all of the locations, you know, have those wonderful features. And, you know, with Dayton, the one that I'm in right now, we just rebuilt it. Um, It was hit by tornadoes in May of 2019, um, which was while we were building out Columbus. Uh, which was just an absolutely wild thing. I mean, Columbus opened in October of 2019. So it was only open for a few months before COVID. Um, So I mean, it's really been like a wild ride. And the fact that we opened Dayton, which was our original location, uh, we added in 40,000 square feet, we added in a double decker carousel, um, a roller coaster into this one, a drop tower. So I mean, all of the locations are Absolutely beautiful. If I if I do say so myself. Yeah.
0: And how many <laughs> how many locations do you have in total?
1: So we have four um, in total that are operating. We are building one in the Chicago area, in the Romeoville area, which is kind of near Naperville. Okay. So that's like- yeah, that's great.
3: <laughs> okay, so um, Scene Seventy Five is kind of a unique name. It doesn't automatically make you think of FEC. Uh, where did that name come from, and what's the story behind that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, we get that all the time from guests um, to news interviews. I mean, everyone's like, what is this weird name? I mean, the good thing is, is that once you know it, I mean, it stands out from a crowd, right? So if somebody says scene 75 and you know what it is, you hear it, Um, but the name actually came from, so our original location in Dayton is right off of I-75. Um, it's got great uh, highway visibility on a, one of the major American highways. Um, and it's an exit down from the crossroads of 70 and 75. So we knew it was gonna be right on 75. Um, and that, so that's where the number kind of comes from. Scene was actually, um, so we're a family owned company. Um, that's a big component of who we are. And and you know that spills out through everything that we do, just having those family owned values. Um, And our owner and founder and CEO, Jonah Sandler, um, who's an incredibly driven, passionate CEO and entrepreneur um, who's really poured his heart and soul into the business. And he's here every single day. Um, His father, Les, is in here every single day. They're incredibly involved. Um, And they're the ones who started everything. And they knew that um, they had this building. It was right on 75. They didn't really know what they were gonna do with it. Uh, Jonah was actually working in Chicago Um, for, he was an investment banker. Um, And, you know, he did that for a few years and he kind of felt like, I don't really know if this is for me. Um, You know, it's a little cutthroat. And meanwhile, his um, father, who's back here in Ohio, who's a real estate developer, you know, business was kind of tough back in 2012 for everybody in the U.S. And, um, you know, he had all these great properties, one of them being this building here. And, you know he kind of looked to his son and said hey you know we the business needs help like you know is there anything you can do and he um so jonah kind of pivoted and said all right well i want to take this home and and what can i do to kind of help my family and maybe find something uh worthwhile that is more exciting and and i can pour my passions into um and they kind of ended up just thinking about it it's something that they've always had a passion with something in the entertainment space um, and so they just kind of started it, and they knew, again they knew that this building was so special that it, being right on the highway, it's two hundred and I think it's two hundred thousand square feet in this building. Um, and so you know what could we do? There wasn't a lot of different offerings in the area. But before all that, they um, Jonah's sister Ari was looking to start um, a website that would uh, help people who are curating artwork. Uh, and they had been talking about it, it as something that they had just kind of talked about as a family for months. And they he, she knew that she wanted to call it scene 81, 81 being the year that she was born and scene, uh She just felt like it sounded like, you know, the art scene. And, and let's, you know, <laughs> be at the scene or be seen at the scene. And, um, you know, that adventure ended up not happening but as they were working on this building and building out what would to become scene 75, you know, they kept thinking like, ah, scene at the scene, you know, all all that stuff. And so they just said, you know what, let's go with that. And, and now we use it internally. We almost use it as like a pet name uh, for our business. We're like, Hey, you at the scene or, you know, you'll see on social media. is what we call (laughs) it. Like, come be at the scene. And our, um, marketable like our little wrist bands that we give out at uh different events that we're doing we have met our redemption counter say i was seen at the scene so it's been something that you know we've loved <laughs> still a weird name but you know we awesome. it's who you are <laughs> nice i love it
0: what's that call we
2: said if it didn't work out back then when they started it it could have been a good band name to fall back on Scene 75.
1: (laughs) I love that. Struggling,
0: struggling artists.
1: (laughs) Yeah, at one point, at our first location that we were opening in Milford, it's off of, I think, 275. And there was a small moment in time where we said, should we name the second location scene 275? And like, thank god we didn't do that. That would have been a logistic. (laughs) Thankfully, we had the common sense to be like, "Nope, let's stick it, brand name all the way, so.
0: That's good. That's a can of worms because then you have to follow the trend. And if you open another location, you've got to rename that. And
1: yeah, that's that's a good choice. Things in bulk. I really start, that's the only benefit of, you know, you, you know, you can buy something for the whole site. Imagine if we were, you know, uh, only a small quantity here, here, and here, like, yeah, it would have been a nightmare. The website. Yeah. (laughs) Totally.
0: Um, One of the things that has come up a, a lot recently. We've seen a lot of conversations with what's going on with COVID, and uh, I think people are less patient. and I don't know. You know, the society's changed a lot. We've seen a lot of stuff on social media lately about locations dealing with customer complaints, and especially online, because I think there's a bad habit of people complaining about stuff online when they don't have to. They don't have to answer to anybody. They can say some terrible things. And it doesn't have to be validated. And so you know that's something that I think a lot of operators are struggling. With. I was just wondering, how do you deal with customer complaints, especially online? what's your what's your process or or protocol?
1: Yeah, that is something that we um, you know thankfully, we we generally across the board, we've always had really great reviews that we've been really fortunate to do. and I, I some something that we, uh personally focus on is we pour a ton of time and energy um and hours into responding to every single review and comment regardless if it's positive or negative um and on across all platforms. So again, it's something that's like every Monday, let's sit down, Mm -hmm. let's go through all of them. Um and I think for the positive people, you know, you really want them to know like, hey, this you because I think it, it takes honestly more energy for people to leave a positive review because they don't have that fuel of like being fired up so i always really want those positive reviews to know that like hey this made a difference you know we're a family-owned company so thank you for taking this time um and for the negative reviews i think it's important to you know make every single person feel heard and feel validated um and even if it's things that you don't either that you necessarily don't agree with or it's something that you can't help, right? So I, I think like with mask policies, when it was, you know, this if the state requires a mask policy, we have to follow it. Um, and I think that people have a tendency to take it out on the business. Um, and, you know, it's something that you can't do. It's something that every single business is struggling with. Uh, so all you can do is just, you know, say, hey, due to the state requirements, you know, this is what we're doing. And really our goal is to just keep everybody safe And, uh, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you're not gonna make everybody happy. Um, I think a good rule of thumb that I have had is to, you know, it's not worth going back and forth with people on a public space. So anything you can do to say, hey, here's our general manager, like here's their direct email. Um, You can email them a lot of times, we in marketing will take the reviews and send it to the team either for the team to discuss if it's something that we think that, you know, could actually be improved or if it's something that, you know, we can't help and it's, it's masks or, you know, something like that, that they're just upset. Um, You know, we will send it to the GM and say, Hey, can you personally reach out to this guest and, and let them know if there's anything we can do, whether it's a, Hey, we'll give you a voucher to come back later, you know, when this is maybe more convenient for your family or, you know, something along those lines. But I think it's really important to, um, let those people be heard, but you're never going to convince anyone over, uh, over a comment or over a review. I think that other people start chiming in or, or, you know, maybe somebody gets the wrong impression and and do what you can to make them feel heard. I even had someone, um, the other day that was like, you know, Hey, you know, so I noticed that there was like a few games down, you know, and that's, and typically that's something that's not, that never happens with us you know we have that's another thing that we pour a lot of time and energy into is making sure that almost 100 percent of our game floor is up all the time it takes a ton of effort it's part of the reason that we're closed on monday and tuesday um and you know with the global shipping delays that are that everyone yeah. across the world is experiencing you know we're not able to keep that quite at 100 at so um you know someone had mentioned it and i originally like my first gut reaction is to say Hey, you know, I hear what you're saying and, and, you know, we're doing everything, but, you know, I want you to know that this is not, you know, the typical standard. And because of this global problem that we can't help, you know, we're doing our best, but you know, you are going to see a few games down. And then I had to stop. And I was like, nope, because that person, someone else could walk in here and they're not going to notice those five games. And by publicly posting that comment, now you are, creating you're raising an issue oh, yeah. that people
0: were not thinking it, about exactly yeah.
1: if if you come in you're not getting the 100 percent experience like that's what i'm uh, affirming for all these people yeah. so you're better off just anytime you can just you know we hear you uh you know thank you for the feedback i think that's really important even if it's a, a review that makes you so angry or a comment that makes you so angry it's always important to like you know swallow your pride a little bit and, and thank that person for giving their comment their feedback um, so do yeah. what you can, and mm-hmm. you know, try to settle it elsewhere.
0: I've I've always yeah. been an advocate as well of uh, recognizing people's comments, and I wholeheartedly agree. It's tough for pe people don't leave positive comments; they just go about their business. You, but everybody will always leave a negative comment. It, you know, that doesn't take much effort on their part. Um, what What's your advice uh, in terms of taking conversations offline? I think responding to them and acknowledging them uh, you know, in, in, in the moment online for, especially for other people who are going to be reading reviews, you know, whatever, but is it been good practice for you guys or, or is it your practice to say, let me address this, but then try to take it offline?
1: Yeah, I think we try to, I mean, it also, it depends on the situation. So if we think it's something that is so specific to that person's, um, you know, unique specific thing, uh, you know, we will try to, Take it offline. Be like, let us solve this for you, because you have to be careful that if you if you just post like, hey, yeah, we will refund you your whole game card. You know, you don't want everybody's say gonna want to refund then, every time. Yeah, and <laughs> then people learn that like, oh, okay, you know, when when it is situational that you know it's something that you really want to make sure that this is the best solution to solve that person's problem. So I think the most important thing is, uh, you know, in that reply comment to just acknowledge it. Um, acknowledge it, own up to it and say, you know, I'm really sorry that your experience was not up to, to our standards. We have a high, that's the first thing is just, we always make sure to at least own up that we have standards that are up to here and this was not your experience. So we're validating that and saying, you know, we hear you, um, please reach out to us or, um, would you feel comfortable messaging us so that we can, um, address this with you further? Yeah. Yeah, right, so,
2: that's great way to so you gave some advice on, uh, you know, uh, handling customers and everything. And you also talked about how you guys are, you know, great and have these awesome attractions. Uh, but what other advice do you have for, you know, maybe a, a new FEC or any other FEC out there?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, first, a thing that I think, uh, really feeds into our whole culture is like don't afraid to get your hands dirty or don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. I think that that is something that, again, because we're family owned um, and fortunately, you know, our owners are extremely involved. I mean, they're here every day. And honestly, I think that you'll see that in a lot of family owned FECs is that, you know, they're there every weekend, you know, making sure that things are going. And, um, but I think that what that shows, and especially as you grow, you know, now that we're you know, looking at being five sites, Um, that, you know, that owner can't be at every single location every single day. So you, you have to make sure that your, you know, your regional team and your executive team like follows that same thing that everyone's, everyone's willing to help out that if there's a line, you'll jump on it, that if there's a mess, you'll clean it up. And I think that that's something that, you know, even when you look back to, you know, Walt Disney always saying that he'll walk around this park and if he sees trash, he will pick it up. He's no one is too big. Or too high up um, to do the work themselves, and I think that uh, keeping that mentality is something that um, it trickles down. Um, And I think that you know how are how do you expect you know an hourly staff member to um, have that level of ownership? You know, you expect so much of these kids, but you know, you really have to have that ownership all the way from the top down. So I think that that's something that's um, incredibly important. Uh, I would say another thing is. Uh, something that we personally have learned is don't, you know, don't put too much energy and emphasis into your, um, you know, food and beverage. I know that sounds kind of like reverse, but I think I've seen a lot of centers where they start out with these really extravagant, like fine dining. I, I shouldn't say that you shouldn't have a quality product. You shouldn't. You should have fun food that is exciting. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think it's an afterthought and it's an upsell for guests. They're not coming to your location to eat dinner and then maybe do something else. So don't, don't put your focus forward on like, uh, first let's figure out our food and let's figure out this, this um, intense uh, restaurant concept. I think you should you know think about your games and your attractions and your experiences because there are so many restaurants and so many bars in every city that one of these FECs are at, but how many FECs are there? People are really looking yeah. for that memorable experience where they can go and have fun and the food and drinks is an afterthought. That should be something that you're trying to upsell them with. And um, I don't think that we've fully put our finger on the perfect F and B model, but um, for sure for us, I mean, it's, we have bars at every single location. We think it's important to create an experience that um, obviously a family is going to like, but also like, you know, not just the kids are going to like you want it to make it so that, um, adults are comfortable in that space. They're not like, oh, gosh, let's get out of here. You know, this is this is for kids. Yeah. I don't want to be here as added to my stress. You want it to be somewhere where truly both adults and kids walk out of here feeling the same amount of enjoyment, that they both enjoyed the day and they had something memorable to take away from it. Um, and that's not just- That's, a, because that's you- a
0: really interesting one, actually, the food and beverage thing. If if I can ask a question, it's like a, a side question for that. Uh, something that that we've- I've heard a lot over time um, from operators, you know, the, the decision to add food and beverage to their venue if they don't have it already, is it? Is there any benefit to keeping people in your venue longer by having a food and beverage offering rather than, you know, they play for two hours, something like that, and they need a break, rather than going somewhere else to go get something to eat and then, make, you know, they're not going to come back at that stage, you keep somebody in your venue a little bit longer. Um, is there, do you see a benefit for adding a food and beverage to your venue, particularly to keep people there a little bit longer?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, and, and when I say, you know, don't be food and beverage first, I think that food and beverages is, is absolutely necessary. I think you're right. Um, and when you look at at least the trends that we've watched, um, from our facilities for the last 10 years is that people will only spend a certain amount of, of money on, um, attractions and games. Um, and, you know, it's for us across the board from the sites that have less games and attractions, it's the same to the, the sites that have, um, you know, more. So e- the more things you throw into a building, it doesn't necessarily mean that each guest is going to spend more because I think that people all kind of come to the table with an idea of what they want to spend on that fun and they're only going to do that fun for so long um for us the benefit of adding those additional attractions and adding as much in as possible is um that it it hopefully creates a repeat experience that someone can come back again and maybe do the other things that they didn't get a chance to do um so where you need to look at like okay where can i get that extra dollar is from something that's different um and a great way to do that is through food and beverage and, and just like you said that Um, not only does it get that extra spend, but then it also creates more time spent in the building that people will be like, okay. Or, you know, even too, I mean, it it also goes into that, um, what's going to be a good experience for every single person in the family. And grandma may not want to, you know, be walking around the whole time. And she may not, just because there's a table, you know, in the yard. She doesn't want to do the big drop. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, some grandmas, some grandmas do. They're the first ones there, but Um, You know, I think that having that that dining experience, uh, you know, really adds value to, uh, you know, some of those guests that, you know, need a break and need a breather and and want their kids to still be able to run around and have fun. But, you know, they need to recharge their batteries. And, you know, if you get them there, you know, stay longer. So, yeah, that's a
0: great tip. And I I just I wanted to ask that question, but please uh, share some more tips. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think for us, like, I, like we've really found, we've started adding in. Um, so we traditionally have a restaurant model um, at some of our locations. It's a full sit down dining experience. Um, at some of our locations, we've tried out a food truck concept um, where we literally, <laughs> we purchased FedEx trucks, which uh, <laughs> in the future we would probably create them. we would fabricate them. We would but we literally purchased two trucks, sliced them in half slapped them up against the wall and built a kitchen behind it um and so we were just trying to figure out what's a way that we could turn this into a quick service that maybe the full sit-down dining experience wasn't quite it um it takes a while to get people in and out um so what's something that's kind of in between um and then now in our chicago location we're trying something that's a little bit more quick service um you know where instead of having three different registers you go up you grab your food and then you you go to exit and then you pay for your food altogether. Um, and then in addition to those kind of bigger restaurant models, we have snack bars um, where we serve pretzels and ices, which ices are great. Um, and uh, you know, those quick, even quicker snacks. And what we've started adding is actually a third. Um, well, we also have the bar, you know, as well. We have multiple bars at each location, but um, we've added in a pretzel cart, which is just a quick, you know, all it is, is it's a pretzel warmer. We, we uh, cook the pretzels somewhere else and then we bring them there where they can keep warm. Um, there's a cheese dispenser and that has done super well for us. That I mean, people, it's just something about that. Like, you're just trying to convince them in that, in that quick moment. They're like, oh, that pretzel smells good. Let me just quickly oh, yeah. just grab this and then I'm out. That's you know, like- That's a fantastic like that.
2: idea. That'll get me yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Who
1: they're doesn't delicious. love a big soft I eat way pretzel. too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's a phenomenal idea, actually, and I hadn't even considered that. Uh, hopefully, a lot of other operators can get some inspiration from that too, because you don't need to to go and and make a big meal experience. You know, even sitting down and eating a burger is is a lot more work than say, yeah, grabbing a, a pretzel or some snack snack bar concept. I think that's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and honestly, in today's world, where food inventory is so hard um, to keep up. I mean, just in the last few months, I mean, we're changing out our menus on a weekly basis across the sites, and it's just depending on what they can get. Due and to avail- availability? That, yeah, 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 so if you're thinking that you just have a few items, it certainly makes it a lot easier you know, to just filter out those few items um, and, and operate that way.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, those, those are fantastic tips. I think especially the, the food and beverage uh, topic, I think it, that's there's a lot of eye openers there for me.
1: <clears throat>
0: we don't operate FECs, obviously, but we're, we're always thinking about the operational standpoint of, of locations and there's a lot of really great stuff there. that's, that's awesome. Um, the last question here, which is, is kind of a segue, uh, which I might I might actually share the results of the poll. Before I I ask you this final question, Maggie, we ran a poll this month uh, leading up to the podcast here about how Omicron has affected locations and uh, whether it's had a negative impact on locations. And funny enough, it was a complete 50-50 split from all the responses that came in. And... As these responses started to roll in, you know, we've kind of kept an eye on things. It it wavered back and forth a little bit. It was always more on the side of not having a negative impact uh, versus having the negative impact. We came out with a clean 50/50 split. But um, to share some of the comments that came out of that that poll, one one person said, "No huge change in guest behavior or protocols, but uh, numbers were down because people just weren't going out in public as much." Um, somebody else said guests seem to have shorter tempers and less tolerance for other guests or the challenges that we're facing with things like short staffing cleaning procedures games being down etc. Um, another one we saw negative impacts simply due to the holiday and not increased COVID fears from Omicron. Um, and this was specifically around Omicron I, I should state. Um, another one as the rate of infections increased business levels decreased. January is historically our best full month however it is heading towards one of our worst restrictions on the unvaccinated in our types of businesses are also having an impact. Um, with some of the hearing some of that feedback Maggie are those things that you're facing or are you facing some of your your challenges. How how should or I should say how has Omicron affected the business if it has at all.
1: Yeah for us we are definitely um, you know we are facing that impact as well. Um, you know it's honestly it's shocking to me that people would even say that 50% of, you know, centers aren't being impacted by it. I think that's absolutely wild. Uh, here in Ohio, uh, definitely the numbers are going up um, and that's impacting, you know, people are sick. They can't they can't come in and, um, you know, they're waiting till they recover or they're trying to not spend time with other people. You know, I mean, it's all those things that are going into it. Our attendance is certainly down. Um, we've had to readjust our January numbers. You know, it's the same thing with everyone else. We're having to look at the year and be like, oh, wow um staffing is a big issue for us because again i mean it just goes through and your staff gets sick and then you know who's gonna work we've had a few party delays we do a lot of uh corporate business and and large company business and a lot of those people are pushing it back a few years fortunately they're not canceling at this point um but they are pushing it back a few months to kind of see when or maybe i would say a month is where everyone's kind of feeling comfortable um But, you know, it's been tough. We're trying to keep a a good head on our shoulders about it and, you know, keep up with all of our safety procedures that we've been doing. Um, Our state hasn't enforced too many new mandates in our Columbus location, the city of Columbus. Uh, Masks are required there. Um, But at all of our locations, it's kind of right now still staying the course. Um, And we have our team wearing masks. Um, We're doing everything we can to just make sure that, you know, like you said, as, as games are up, Games are clean um, and that people are coming in and getting a good experience um, and just dealing with it that way. But, you know, we're positive that or we're hopeful, I should say, not positive. I mean, no one knows. But <laughs> you we are hopeful. That yeah, 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 too. Yeah, positive. Um, we are hopeful that things will get better and that uh, from what we've read, that the peak should be, you know, in this coming uh, few weeks. So hopefully after that, things start going down and we can get back on the year, back on track where we projected.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we wish you all the best in that regard, as we do wish all of all of the operators across the entire industry the best. Um, just to put it in perspective, too, I think uh, when we started this poll, Omicron had just been announced, like it had just been kind of discovered and, and um, it was just starting. And so I think a lot of the responses that came in early on were probably no impact. And we haven't had as many responses as the month has gone on. Um, For whatever reason, but this is also a a worldwide poll, and everybody's dealing with things differently. And this is not just U.S. centric. Um, I'm I'm actually located in Australia, and a lot of the businesses around here, even though Omicron is is fairly rampant everywhere, um, the businesses here seem to be pushing forward and just dealing with things. You know, rather than I guess the the government hasn't. put in types of restrictions as in other areas. So it's different everywhere. But I just wanted to, for everybody watching and um, you know, just putting this in perspective because I think a lot of the comments that came in uh, are, are very negatively geared. Again, people leave negative comments versus positive comments, so they keep it in this instance. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. And I think what you've said, I think a lot of operators are probably dealing with. But at the end of the day, we wish you all the best as we do all the operators watching this, uh, this arcade cast. We're gonna take a quick break here uh, for an announcement and uh, just stay with us. We will be right back.
2: Head on over to our parts store for a special discount for ArcadeCast listeners. It's a Let's Bounce button sale for 10% off. Use coupon code PODCAST10 and take advantage of the offer. Lei Games is now shipping two-player and three-player versions of Angry Bird Coin Crash, the only tower building coin pusher in the United States. Contact your distributor today to get the most innovative coin sure on the market. Make sure you're subscribed to the LAI Games Insider. Visit laigames.com slash insider to sign up now. For YouTube listeners, we will provide a link in the description below.
0: And we're back. We are going to talk about some upcoming trade shows. Um, Some regional shows, the SEMA show has been postponed. Uh, There's no date set yet, but uh, it's likely going to be in April or May at this stage. There's some international shows. EAG was postponed from the beginning of this month to March 1st through 3rd. So for anyone watching from our international audience, uh, you can expect EAG at the beginning of March. The New Jersey Amusement Association is happening the week before Amusement Expo. Something to keep your eye on if you're in that area. And amusement expo in March, obviously the the first real big show of the year. Uh, make sure that you put LAI Games booth number three hundred five on your schedule. We had some questions for you, Maggie. Um, you know, we know what a show looks like as a manufacturer, but we wanted to know what a show looks like for someone attending as a customer. You know, what's important to you? How do you go about planning a show? And this is this is good information for maybe anybody on the the operations. Uh, or sorry, the, you know, supply chain side of the business, manufacturers and suppliers and things like that, you know, what, what can we be doing better to serve the customer audience there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, first off, it's a ton of fun. You know, I don't have to be stuck at a booth all day. Like you guys, I get to go (laughs) around and experience everything. So right off the bat, I mean, how could you not love it? Um, But what typically what we do, and fortunately I've been, you know, fortunate enough to go for two years. I'm the head of marketing, so I'm not particularly uh, purchasing games myself, but um, being very close with the owners. I mean, they always go there with a laundry list of, all right, these are the new games. These are the hot games that we want to go and um, look at. And typically, uh, you know, there's a few vendors that we know for sure. Okay. These are our top, go check out this, go see what this new attraction is. Um, and, you know, we have some meetings and then the rest of it's just tackling it row by row and just going through every little thing. Cause you never know what is going to catch your eye or, you know, what's something that you didn't intend on seeing that, you know, you might see. Um, As far as the arcade, I mean, the arcade is probably the most fun side of it. I mean, especially this year, because there were so many less uh, big attractions. So it was like the arcade was like, oh, this is, you know, this is super fun. I'm sure you guys experienced that same thing of trying to get everything in. Um, But, you know, I think for us, it's just being, you know, being friendly, being approachable. Uh, I think everyone was very understanding that, you know, perhaps this year people weren't buying as much um, that y- they might've in years past. Um, and certainly I know that we weren't, but um, yeah, I think everyone, like I said, all all the the vendors, they were very understanding of that. And they were happy to see the people that were out there and, you know, excited that we were able to have IAPA this year and, um, you know, I, just keep doing what you're doing. I think that don't be too pushy is is the other thing. You know, some people, uh, they are so. Some people are a little intense, and you know the only thing that it leaves in your mouth is like, Oh, Well, I know I'm not a fan of that. So. avoid that. Uh, I'll avoid that. Yeah, business. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. be normal people. I mean, it's it's not a scenario I think where you have to be. Um, you know, don't be a car salesman. I mean, it's just the product. If it's a good product, it sells itself. And especially with arcade games, I mean, you play it, you get the experience. So just being helpful, you know, ready to go with questions of you know uh, you know what's the throughput on this what are you what are you typically charging for it and and where's this on the lineup of your popular games um you know those are all big questions that we're asking and um but they're fun to see thank you guys for coming to all these shows and giving people the chance to experience it firsthand and be able to play because i think that's the best way to sell a game
0: yeah absolutely we love it as well they're great great events and we love show showcasing new product and for us as well it's fun these are things we're very very proud of to to show off so that's uh, you know we we love it as well we're going to move on to our segment for the top tips for operating angry birds coin crash now this is one of our big big releases here that has been getting some great feedback from operators um maggie you mentioned that you saw it at iapa and um you know give us give us your thoughts about the game
1: yeah. Well, first off, I love your your booth. It's like so colorful and so bright. And I absolutely love it. Um, and immediately, I would say one of the first things I went up to was the Angry Birds game. And, I, you know, people were all crowded around it. And so we waited our turn. We get up there and I see the the tower of coins. And so I specifically remember this uh, from all the games I played that I walked right up to it. You know, I slapped the button and immediately that whole tower of coins fell. And it was so (laughs) exciting. I was like, man, if I was a guest in a facility and I had that experience, I mean, like just a kid would absolutely love that. It's so satisfying from the sounds and the experience. I mean, it's what you want out of a a coin pusher, I think.
0: (laughs) Awesome. That's exactly the reaction that we're we're trying to get out of the games, you know, (laughs) that game specifically. So that's that's good. That's great to hear. We've got some uh some tips from operators that we've spoken from over, spoken with over time, and uh, we've, we field a lot of questions about the best way to uh, operate that game. It's a complicated game when a guest steps up to it. You know, it's not immediately apparent about w- what every objective is. There's so many different ways to win tickets and and get that excitement from the game and keep people at the game. And so we get a lot of questions about what are the best ways to operate it. And so we, we've got a, a, a bit of a laundry list here that we've collected over, over the last few months uh, that we wanted to share with operators. And uh, we'll, we'll just kind of go through these one by one and talk about them. And, and we'd love your input on it, Maggie, as we kind of talk through some of these things.
3: Here are the top five tips for operating Angry Birds Coin Crash. Number one, tweak the payout for your location. Test with a game card until you find the sweet spot of giving people value and hitting your payout target. Number two, add a higher perceived value and increase play by lowering the amount of super bonus tickets and increasing the number of coins per credit. You can also utilize the incremental coins per credit capability. Number three, Having stools at the game also works well for many locations. If you notice mom and dad using them to rest on while watching their kids play, think about providing extra seating in key spots. Number four, keep towers on the play field. The coin towers are what makes Angry Birds Coin Crash so attractive. At a minimum, start each day with them. Towers can be built on demand using the operator menu. Number five, do you have YouTube star Arcade Matt's How to Play QR code stickers? Players just scan the QR code and watch Matt explain how to play the game. You can request stickers for your game at marketing at laigames.com.
0: Is that something you've ever seen on any other games, Maggie? Is uh, how to play instructions with, you know, every game kind of has how to play kind of built into the instruction panel or somewhere on the game generally, but uh, QR code is like a, an external link on how to play a game. Have you ever seen that?
1: No, definitely not by a manufacturer, for sure. And honestly, it makes me want to <laughs> immediately kind of steal that idea. I'm like, okay, where can I put that on some <laughs> of our games that create problems? <laughs> honestly, a suggestion is, um, I, I would say like most people, first off, Virtual Rat is one of our most popular games. Like people absolutely love it. Um, but every once in a while, I'll have someone be like, you know, Do I need, like, I'll just walk by it and someone will be like, do I, is there like a thing? And I'm like, no, once you get into it, you'll understand it. Like you just put it on the headset, you know, maybe for something like that, where it feels so different and like foreign, I think to someone who doesn't know what is VR, you know, it might be helpful for that too, to just a quick little, like, Hey, all you do is you swipe the card, you strap it on and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great feedback.
2: Yeah. And QR codes made a comeback from COVID. So everyone's used to using them before that yeah. everyone would see a QR code and they wouldn't even care. It just like, oh, I'm not scanning that, but it's kind of taught everyone, you know, how, how important they are and how much we can use them for.
1: Oh yeah. We use them for everything. A, a good idea. I think for other FECs is for um, hiring. Like we have it on anything that we push about now hiring or we're hiring. We have a QR code directly to the application just to be like, Hey, scan this and go, um and you and obviously B is really great for that too but i mean there's just so many uses for it i'm incredibly um appreciative for that uh transition in societies that people are just they know what to do you don't need to explain it and waivers waivers is, yeah. is a great thing that if you have attractions that need waivers signed for uh just pop that qr code so that they don't have to wait to use whatever station you're using
0: yeah, they, I, I agree. I think they're they're a really handy feature. That pre pre COVID in the U S. Anyway, outside of the U S., QR codes have been popular for a while. But I'm really happy that they've gained some traction because they're super functional. They're easy to use, and you know we should have been using them a long time ago. Yeah.
2: We just forced everyone to use them. Everyone was so stubborn that they didn't want to use them, and now we had to.
0: No, definitely, definitely benefit. <clears throat> All right. I would like to thank everyone for listening or watching our first ever podcast, Arcade Cast. And we'd like to thank our special guest again, Maggie McCartney. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having us and having me on here. You know, we're so excited to be a part of this. We're so excited for you guys to be starting this. And I think it's something that people will find so much value in, and especially in these times where people need you know, some extra guidance and, and maybe some direction on how to solve these unique problems that everyone's coming into. So I think it's absolutely great. And, you know, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank
0: you. Yeah. Well, thank, you. thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, and that's exactly right. We want to provide valuable feedback and we would love to hear your feedback. Anyone who has any feedback here, uh, feedback, comments, questions, you can submit them at laigames.com slash or if you're watching on YouTube, you can drop them in the comments below. Uh, we would love to hear any, uh, Requests for upcoming topics or poll questions that we can uh, we can integrate into the show Next month's special guest is gonna be Bob Cooney. He is the industry's foremost expert on location-based VR Uh, I'm sure most people know him. (laughs) He loves a microphone So I think we can expect a lot of great feedback from Bob Uh, But as we look forward towards Amusement Expo and the fifth anniversary of the Amusement Expos VR Summit uh, We're gonna talk to Bob about VR Uh, You can follow us on social media at laigames.com slash social. Make sure that you're signed up to the LAI Games Insider at laigames.com slash insider. And as always, a reminder, you can order parts 24-7, 365 at parts.laigames.com. So thank you again to everyone. And signing off for LAI Games and Scene 75.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.